Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There's another host that is joining me today, Daniel Sun. Ayo. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 110 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of extra listening hours. Now, if you want to see the full list of Patreon-exclusive episodes, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on the Patreon Episodes tab, And there, you will see the entire list of Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over Google's Lambda, in which we discussed the employee who worked for Google that came out and whistle-blew on the company, saying that their AI has become self-aware. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoots, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. Actually, I have one more announcement. If my audio sounds a bit different, it's because... I moved into my new place in Austin, and I didn't have time to set up my area to record in beforehand, so I am in a room with covers all over me trying to record. So if it sounds different, that's why. Also, there's like a construction company literally across the street that is drilling and building a house. So, yeah, it sucks. Anyway. Alright, so today's episode is over CERN. Now, we have previously covered this episode on Patreon back in 2020. However, instead of just releasing it from the vault, there has been quite a few updates since we did that episode over CERN. So we figured, hey, why not record CERN 2.0 and talk about everything that has happened since? So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk a little bit about CERN, the history of it, as well as what they do there. And then we'll go into the strange facts and findings, theories, and then, of course, wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Over 1,000 scientists work in a facility in Switzerland that is located over 574 feet underground. Located in that facility is the world's most powerful particle accelerator. This gigantic machine is used by scientists to conduct various experiments, such as creating tiny black holes 
so that they can study them. The facility insists that these experiments are safe and that they are just trying to learn more about our universe. However, many believe that they are causing earthquakes, opening portals into other dimensions, and shifting the world into alternate timelines. This is CERN. Now, before we get into the theories and all the strange stuff that supposedly is happening at CERN, we need to first discuss what exactly it is and the history behind it. So, Dan, do you want to start that off for us? So, what is CERN? Well, the term CERN is actually an acronym for the European Organization for Nuclear Research. And I know what you're thinking. European Organization for Nuclear Research? How the hell do they get CERN from that? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Well, in French, it's actually called the Conseil European pour la Recherche Nucléaire. Damn, good job. There you go, a little knowledge nugget for you, and some little bit of French. So we know what the term CERN means, but what does this organization actually do? Well, according to their website, they are a research organization that focuses on, and I quote, uncovering what the universe is made of and how it works. Now, how they do this is through experiments. And all of these experiments take place in CERN's massive particle physics laboratory that is located underground in Switzerland, where over a thousand scientists work together trying to crack the code of the universe. And that, in a nutshell, is what CERN is. Now, let's shift gears a little bit and dive into the history of the organization and talk about how it all began. So to understand the history behind CERN and its formation, we have to go back to the mid-1940s. At the time, World War II had just ended and nuclear physics was a super hot topic. Every single scientist in the world wanted to learn about it. Now during this period, there were a few European scientists who were just sitting around and chatting with one another you know, talking about science and whatnot. During their conversation, one of the scientists were like, you know what? I wish we had a nuclear physics facility where we could study particles and shit. All the other scientists agreed, and they were like, oh, hell yeah. But you know what? Those nuclear physics facilities, they cost way too much. And you know our country, they don't have any money to build one like that. All of them agreed with one another. However, one of the scientists spoke up and said, you know what, guys? What if we create a European atomic physics laboratory? If we make it a European lab, we could share the cost of creating such an expensive nuclear physics facility, and it would also unite European scientists. At that point, all the scientists that were sitting around were like, damn, that's a really good idea, Randy. Thank you. All right, so that's how the idea of this came to be. So now we're going to fast forward to December 9th, 1949. All those scientists that had previously came up with that idea, they all got together and they went to the European Cultural Conference. Now, at this conference, they decided to pitch their idea of the lab. You know, Randy went up there and was like, Guys, I need money. Money to build a nuclear physics facility. However, uh, at the conference, everyone just kind of blew them off and thought they were a bit crazy. Of course, the scientists were pissed, 
but they didn't give up though. Less than a year later, in June of 1950, they decided to go to another conference, which was the UNESCO, UNESCO, which stands for the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization Conference. And this one was way, way bigger. Now, at this conference, Randy and the other scientists, and by the way, I don't know if there was actually a scientist named Randy. I'm just naming one of them Randy, okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> macho man Randy's scientist. Oh, yeah. That's Dr. Macho Man. <laughs> Let me tell you something, brother. When you come up and study particle physics, you better bring it correct, okay? Rise to the top. So those scientists, again, uh, they pitched their idea of the lab. However, this time, everyone was like, Hell yeah, that sounds like a good idea, Randy. And people grabbed were like, Fuck yeah. So after they all kind of agreed on it, uh, UNESCO decided to draw up an agreement that said that they would assist and encourage the formation of regional research laboratories in order to increase international scientific collaboration. Which, I mean, the scientists were all psyched for it. They were like, hell yeah, we're getting our labs. So fast forward a little over a year later, in December of 1951. At the next UNESCO meeting, scientists there brought up the idea of that lab again kind of reminding them like, hey, we agreed to help with the building of this research lab. You know, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, that thing. So now it was at this point that they were just like, yeah, I guess we have to do something about it. So instead of them creating the lab themselves, this UNESCO decided, hey, let's make a council that oversees this lab and its creation. Kind of like, you know, passing off the responsibilities to someone else. So UNESCO drew up another agreement and uh, established this council. And the 11 countries that were there at this meeting signed it, and that created the CERN Council. And after that, things started to happen pretty quickly. Yeah, so only six months later, in May of 1952, the CERN Council decided to host a meeting. Many of the governments and their leaders from around the world attended, at the meeting, the CERN Council told them, Hey, you want this new nuclear physics lab built on your land? Well, submit your proposal as to why we should pick you. And of course, a lot of the countries were like, Oh, please pick us. Please, please. Come on. So by the end of 1952, the CERN Council made an announcement. They stated that Geneva, Switzerland was selected as the site for the CERN Laboratory and that the reason they selected Geneva, Switzerland, is because it is located in the center of Europe, and it already hosted a number of international organizations. So that right there is a little history of how CERN began. But what do they do exactly? What goes on in their laboratory? Now, earlier I mentioned a little bit about what they do. You know, when I said that uh, they uncover what the universe is made of and how it works. Now, along with that research, they also develop technologies. For example, they developed electronic particle detection techniques, and these techniques revolutionized the medical field. It allowed X-ray images to be made by only using a fraction of the radiation dose required for an X-ray photograph. Now, one of the main things that CERN is known for is its discovery of the Higgs boson. 
are also known as the God Particle. And they're also known for a device that they built called the Large Hadron Collider. Now, this big-ass device is the thing that found this God Particle. Ooh, that's big. Oh, yeah. So this Large Hadron Collider is actually what a lot of people mention when they talk about theories surrounding CERN. They say that this device is causing all of these crazy things to happen to our timeline. And before we get into some of those theories, let's talk a little bit about this LHC, Large Hadron Collider, so that we can understand exactly what it is. So Dan, do you want to start it off and give us a little history lesson about it? Of course. So it all started in the late 1980s. At the time, CERN was trying to find out how the universe worked by studying the building blocks of all matter, as well as the fundamental forces that make them work the way that they do. So in order for them to do this, they needed to build a particle collider. Now, let me explain as simply as I can what a particle collider is. So a particle collider is a gigantic machine that uses extremely powerful magnetic fields to shoot beams of subatomic particles at one another. Now, these subatomic particles, they're traveling fast. And when I say fast, I mean these son of a bitches are going nearly the speed of light. They're zooming, and they're heading towards one another. You know, it's like they're playing chicken, except neither of them move. They boom, they smash into each other, they collide. Now, this collision, it creates a variety of other subatomic particles. Now, these other particles are then identified and measured by the scientists there. Now, this process of smashing subatomic particles together is supposed to reveal to scientists what unknown particles make up the very essence of all matter that is found in the universe today. So there you go. That's basically what this Large Hadron Collider does. Shoots these particles at each other really fast, they collide, and then they study what, you know, happens afterwards. Damn. All right, so it's the late 1980s, and CERN wanted to build one of these machines. It was at this point that they started the construction plans and budgeting of the project. And then finally, in December of 1994, the CERN Council voted and approved the construction of the Large Hadron Collider. Now, this collider was going to be the most powerful particle accelerator ever built. So between 1998 and 2008, so over a 10-year period, over 10,000 scientists and hundreds of universities and laboratories, as well as more than 100 countries, helped build this collider, which was located 574 feet underground at the CERN facility. And get this, Dan, it had a 17-mile circumference tunnel. That's... <laughs> this thing is massive. It's huge. It's ginormous. That's what she said. So I found this picture. This is of Geneva, Switzerland, and it shows how big of an area that this Large Hadron Collider actually covers. Yeah. Holy smokes. And if you want to see this photograph, just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on references, scroll all the way down, and this photograph will be there. Wow. I was like, could you imagine just like, you're living in this area, and there's this massive Large Hadron Collider just running underneath your house. I wonder if it's loud. Imagine trying to record and that thing turns on. You're like, son of a bitch, I'm trying to record. It's just like vibrating everything. 
Yeah. Hey, where I used to live in Waco, their uh, SpaceX was right down the road, and they would used to test uh, rocket engines there. And whenever they would turn on, they'd be super loud, and they would shake everybody's houses in Waco. It sucked. Damn. See, I mean, I live far from uh, Fort, what is it, Fort Pickett? And that's where they do all, like, their artillery shooting and shit. So I can hear it from here, but it doesn't pick up on the microphone, at least. So that's good. Okay. But moving on. All right, Dan, so tell us what this Large Hadron Collider is made of. All right, so this LHC is composed of around 9,600 super magnets, which is 100,000 times more powerful than the gravitational pull of Earth. These magnets fire protons around a circular track at an extremely fast speed, just below the speed of light. Now, I know what you're probably wondering. Why the hell did they build this thing 574 feet underground? Well, there are a few reasons. One of them is that scientists stated that the Earth's crust provided protection against radiation. So the other reason is that when the Large Hadron Collider is shooting these subatomic particles at super fast speeds, it gets super hot. How hot, you ask? Well, about as hot as conditions in the universe after the Big Bang or more than 100,000 times the temperature at the center of the sun. Imagine living above that thing. How do they know the temperature of the center of the sun? (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Do they stick a thermometer in there? I don't know. All right, so like we previously stated, between 1998 and 2008, a lot of people and countries helped build this collider. So finally, on September 10th, 2008, the LHC went live with their first test. However, the initial testing did not go well due to an incident that occurred which caused extensive damage to over 50 superconducting magnets their mounting, and the vacuum pipe. Following that accident, CERN made repairs and the first true particle collisions occurred in 2010. Scientists accelerated two high-energy particle beams close to the speed of light inside the LHC, which was supercooled by electromagnets to negative 271.3 degrees Celsius, which that's negative 456.3 degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. Hell yeah, it is. So once the particles reached the proper speed, they collided, and the scientists and physicists observed the results. Two years later, on July 4th, 2012, CERN announced that the LHC experiments had observed a new particle, the Higgs boson. So what is the Higgs boson? Well, instead of us attempting to explain it, we figured it would be best to have Fermilab scientist Don Lincoln explain it. So take it away, Don. If you've had any interest in physics at all, you've heard about a thing called the Higgs boson. But just what is it, and why is it interesting? In 1964, a physicist by the name of Peter Higgs took some ideas that were floating around at the time, added an insight or two of his own, and proposed that there was an energy field that permeated the entire universe. This energy field is now called the Higgs field. Now, in the press, you don't hear about the Higgs field, but rather the Higgs boson. How are these two things related? The Higgs boson is the smallest bit of the Higgs field. To understand how that works, 
Everyone knows what water is. If you're immersed in it, you know that water is everywhere. It's a continuous medium and there are no holes in it. We also know that water is made of molecules, specifically H2O. If you hold these two ideas in your head with the realization that water consists of countless individual molecules, you can now begin to appreciate the Higgs boson. The Higgs field that gives subatomic particles their mass is made of countless individual Higgs bosons, just like water is made of individual molecules. You should keep in mind that the Higgs boson hasn't been discovered yet, and what I'm describing is simply the most popular idea as to why subatomic particles... Well, guess what, Dr. Lincoln? Surprise, bitch. It's been discovered. Man, I was questioning this whole video. I'm just like, this was posted in 2011, and they found it in 2012? What is he, a time traveler? Thank you for that, Dr. Lincoln. All right, so the last time we did this episode in 2020, the LHC had been shut down since 2018 for upgrades to make it more powerful. Which finally, on April 22nd, 2022, just over two months ago, the LHC became operational again, and it is 10 times more powerful. And starting next week, July 5th, 2022, the LHC will start up again and is expected to run until 2026. So that's what we have to look forward to. A 10 times more powerful Hadron Collider starting up next week. Another timeline shift. Here we go. Now, before we hop into those possibilities and hypothesize and all that, let's first get into some strange facts and findings that we have discovered when researching this. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break, so don't go nowhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back. Now, our first strange fact and finding is about a bigger Hadron Collider. So in late 2020, CERN's council announced that it will launch a technical and financial feasibility study to see if it would be worth it to build an even bigger Hadron Collider that would end up being 80 to 100 kilometers long and reach an energy seven times higher than the LHC. Now, this decision on if they would do it or not would be based on what the LHC finds in its run that starts next week and ends in the year 2026. Now, if that run doesn't find anything good, then the council might be against spending a lot of money to build this larger collider. And I know what you're wondering. How much is this larger one going to cost? Well, it's going to cost them around $20 billion. <coughs> oh. That's a lot of money. Almost choked on my drink. So we do have a photograph of the layout plans of the bigger collider compared to the current LHC. And 
it is way bigger. So if you want to see that photo, just go to our website, theoriesofthirdkind.com, click on references, scroll down, and there you can see the photograph. It, it dwarfs the LHC. It absolutely dwarfs it. You could fit one, two, three, four inside this future gigantic collider. Yeah, the LHC is 27 kilometers, you know, in circumference. This new one is going to be 100. That's what, four times almost? That's scary. Dude, I don't even want to see what that could open. All right, so let's talk about our next strange fact and finding, which is about Stephen Hawking's. Dan, you know who he is, right? Of course. All right, well, if you don't know who he is, I'm just going to fill you in real quick, all right? He is extremely smart, and he is a well-respected theoretical physicist and an author who was a director of research at the Center for Theoretical Cosmology at the University of Cambridge. He has his credentials, right? So why are we mentioning him? Well, when CERN found this God particle, Stephen Hawking decided to talk about it in one of his books. He said, The God particle found by CERN could destroy the universe. The Higgs boson could become unstable at very high energy levels and have the potential to trigger a catastrophic vacuum decay, which would cause space and time to collapse. And we would not have any warning to the dangers. That's absolutely terrifying. And it reminds me of the book that I shared with you, I don't know, a week or two ago. Was it that short story? Yeah, it was called The Blue Afternoon That Lasted Forever. And it's by Daniel Wilson. Yeah, and it's pretty much about a scientist who is just at work and he notices something in the sky that not many people know about, and he realizes, holy shit, there's many black holes that are passing by the Earth, and they literally only have like an hour or two to live that the Earth is about to get sucked up into a black hole. It's a terrifying short story. I'm about to read it, because I think I started reading it, and then I stopped. All right, Dan, so tell us about this next strange fact and finding we got. All right, so our next strange fact and finding involves a German professor named Otto Rossler. So in late 2008, when CERN was first firing up the engines on its Large Hadron Collider, Otto, who was a German professor at the University of Tübingen, filed a lawsuit against CERN with the European Court of Human Rights. In this lawsuit, Otto stated that the LHC facility could trigger a mini black hole that could get out of control and annihilate the planet, and it should be stopped. The courts ended up tossing out Otto's request. However, that possibility became a super popular topic of discussion between individuals, and CERN heard about it, and they decided to address it, and they made a statement on their website that said, and we quote, The LHC will not generate black holes in the cosmological sense. However, some theories suggest that the formation of tiny quantum black holes may be possible. The observation of such an event would be thrilling in terms of our understanding of the universe, and would be perfectly safe. So that's what they said. It would be perfectly safe. So just trust their word. Everything's going to be okay. Hmm. I don't feel too safe. Did you know that there were two other guys that uh, tried to do this as well? No, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Otto supposedly went to the European courts of human rights to do this, and it was like a, what were their names? Walter L. Wagner and Louis Sanch Sancho. They actually tried to 
go to like the U.S. courts to have it stopped. And that's when a uh, I think it was like a court in Hawaii. The judge just threw it out. He dismissed it because they're just like, you don't have any evidence to back up your claim that this thing is dangerous. Okay. Which, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. You got to bring some evidence. All right. So let's talk about our next strange fact and finding, which is about other dimensions. Ooh, I like that. Ooh. So in 2009, Sergio Bertolucci, who is a former director for research in scientific computing of CERN, he decided to do an interview with a British tabloid. So in that interview, Sergio stated that the LHC could open otherworldly doors to another dimension for, and I quote, a very tiny lapse of time. Sergio also said, and we quote, Even though it would be for just a tiny amount of time, it may just be enough to peer into this open door, either by getting something out of it or sending something into it. After this tiny moment, the door would again shut, bringing us back to our normal four-dimensional world. It would be a major leap in our vision of nature, and of course there would be no risk to the stability of our world. And it's kind of like uh, the TV show Stranger Things. Yeah, but that did bring some danger, though. Hmm. Now, before we get into this next strange fact and finding, which is about some weird-looking portals, let's take a quick break. It's our last one. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Do you follow automotive news? Or do you just like cars and want to see what the heck's going on? Well, then you might like Donut Media's new podcast, The Big Three. Hi, I'm James Pumphrey, and every week, me and my co-host slash two of my top five friends, Nolan Sykes and Joe Weber, unpack the latest and greatest in automotive news and trends on The Big Three. You'll also get a lot of laughs, hot takes, and personal insight on cars from the biggest car guys in automotive media. So, whether you're a hardcore enthusiast or just a person who goes, up, that's a good-looking car, <laughs> check out The Big Three, available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can watch the full videos at Donut Podcasts on YouTube. All right, welcome back. So our next strange fact and finding is about some photographs that were taken in June of 2016, and they were released online. Now, these pictures contained very oddly weird-shaped storm clouds that were above the CERN facility. Now, initially, I mean, it doesn't seem like a big deal. However, it was found out that these pictures were taken only a few days after an experiment that CERN was conducting called the AWAKE experiment. Now, this experiment investigated wake-filled plasma acceleration using a proton bunch as a driver. Now, this was the first time in the world that this had ever been done. Now, because this was the first time it had ever been done, and only a few days later, some weird-ass-looking clouds showed up overhead above the CERN facility, it got people to hypothesize and say, hey, CERN's new experiment created a portal of weird-looking clouds, which we do have those photographs, and we'll post them up on our website. To me, they just look like normal storm clouds. I mean, that's what they honestly look like to me, but, I mean, the top photo looks pretty damn cool, though, with the lightning. Yeah, it just looks like a normal storm. I think it's just a coincidence and people trying too hard to maybe connect things, you know? 
Yeah. It's just my personal opinion. All right, Dan, tell us about our next strange fact and finding. All right. So our next strange fact and finding is about a statue at CERN. So sitting in front of CERN is a giant two-meter-tall statue of the goddess of destruction, Shiva. So this statue was given to CERN as a gift from the government of India, and it was placed in front of CERN and unveiled to the public on June 18, 2004. And sitting next to the statue is a plaque that has a quote from Fritjof Capra, who explains its supposed meaning. Hundreds of years ago, Indian artists created visual images of dancing Shivas in a beautiful series of bronze. In our time, physicists have used the most advanced technology to portray the patterns of the cosmic dance. The metaphor of the cosmic dance thus unifies ancient mythology, religious art, and modern physics. Now, this plaque in easier terms, you know, explained the belief that Lord Shiva danced the universe into existence, motivates it, and will eventually extinguish it. Modern physics has revealed that every subatomic particle not only performs an energy dance, but also is an energy dance, a pulsating process of creation and destruction. Kind of interesting. It is, and it makes sense. Sort of. And I know what you're probably thinking. Why are we talking about this statue? Well, it plays a role in our next strange fact and finding. So there is a video that is floating around, and it was supposedly recorded by one of the people that works at CERN. So in this video, it shows hooded figures walking out from the darkness into the lights of a statue of the dancing Shiva, which is in front of CERN. One of the hooded figures takes off their cloak, which this person then lays on the ground. After that, another person in a hooded cloak walks over to them with a knife in their hand. The person in the cloak then takes the knife and stabs what we assume is the female that is laying on the ground, and that is when the video ends. Now, after this video was released, it became viral. And, of course, it caught the attention of CERN. And CERN decided to make an announcement, and they said, and we quote, These scenes were filmed on our premises without official permission or knowledge. CERN does not condone this type of spoof, which can give rise to misunderstandings about the scientific nature of our work. CERN welcomes every year thousands of scientific users from all over the world, and sometimes some of them let their humor go too far. This is what happened on this occasion. So pretty much they're saying that they invited scientists and they did some fake mock sacrifice? I mean, I could kind of see it. Every year they have students from like different universities and all that stuff come to CERN to work and like pretty much visit. And I guess these students or whoever they were decided to do this prank, supposedly. That's what they're thinking. Supposedly. Yeah. I mean, if it was a sacrifice, why would they do it out in front where they could get caught like that? What happens at CERN stays at CERN. All right. Uh, so we do have a link to that video of the supposed mock sacrifice. And uh, we'll have it on our website for anyone that wants to take a look at it. Yeah. I did find something else interesting. Oh, what did you find? All right. So like I said, like they bring in students, you know, from different universities and cultures and stuff to CERN to actually study there. There was a, I would guess a CERN student 
he says he was in 1984. He says that he was a third year physics student checking out the experimental side of life. And he stayed at the hostel in St. Guinness and, you know, for CERN. And he said that, you know, one day after work, you know, he went to go to the showers. And when he went to open up one of the stalls, he found himself face to face with a whole sheep skewered over a wooden pole and neatly draining over the, you know, drain. Come to find out, there was a, a student group from Algeria, I think, and that every Friday they would have a group barbecue. Every Friday they would use one of the shower stalls to pretty much drain a sheep and all that to prepare it for the barbecue. So it was like a, wouldn't say a ritual, but like a, I don't know, I guess a customs they did, a custom. Okay. So it was something with them culturally that they did. Yeah. Quite often. Not saying that this ritual was some kind of culture. That was just weird. Have you ever had a sheep or lamb before? Uh, what's veal? Lamb? No, it's a baby, uh, baby cow. Oh, then no, I've never had sheep or lamb. Tastes very gamey. I don't like it. Hmm. I wonder if it tastes like deer then. Venison. All right, well, that's an interesting story. They're draining sheep blood at CERN. That's right. Every Friday. All right, so let's talk about this last strange fact and finding before we get into theories. So this last one is something weird that I came across. It's called Operation Cosmic Rays. Now, if you remember, Dan, we did an episode over HARP and weather modification a few months ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, so in those episodes, we talked about cloud seeding and how back in the day, scientists were able to seed clouds and it made those clouds rain. So when the LHC was shut down, CERN scientists decided, hey, let's start up what we're going to call the cloud experiment. So in this experiment, they used a special cloud chamber and a beam of particles to provide an artificial source of cosmic rays. During this experiment, the scientists were successfully able to seed clouds not by aerosol particles, which have always been needed, right? They'd take those particles, shoot them up into the sky, into the clouds, and it'd cause the clouds to rain. Yeah. Instead, these scientists were able to use biogenic vapors that were emitted from trees. So essentially, they take these vapors from trees, shoot them up into the sky, and it would make it rain. Hmm. Crazy, huh? I, I didn't know that. And we did an assload of research into weather modification and HARP. Yeah, I didn't know CERN was dabbling in that shit. Yeah, they're over there making it rain, doing weather modification. CERN is, damn, creating portals and <laughs> making it rain. Making it rain. All right, so let's get into the fun part of the episode. Let's get into the theories as to what the hell is going on at CERN. So, Dan, tell us about this first one that we got wrote down. Okay. So, our first theory that we're going to talk about is about another portal. So, you know how we talked earlier about the supposed portal above CERN in, what, 2016? 16, yeah. Well, there is a theory that another one was created back in 2009. So, on the night of December 9th, 2009, in the sky of Norway, many people witnessed a strange blue light in the sky that was spiraling and shining. Then all of a sudden, the light started to open up, looking sort of like a black hole, which we have video of that. So we're going to provide a link of that and we're going to watch it real quick. So in this video, you see the sky of Norway and it almost looks like a 
spotlight in the distance, but it's got like a spiral to it. Yeah. But the spotlight, it, it I mean, it looks like a cross between like, oh, whoa, what the hell? That's weird. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, that's very weird. So, okay, you have this thing that looks like a spotlight in the sky, but it also looks like a spotlight with smoke in it. And you see like a spiral going at the end of this spotlight in the sky. Then all of a sudden, the spiral stops, and then it opens up into this gigantic, weird black hole. It just opens up very, very odd. And it's not just one person who caught this on camera. The video link that we're going to provide is the various positions and at different times when people caught this on camera. So it's not just one person who's seen it. Man, that's so weird looking. How it's just spinning perfectly. Yeah. Spinning clockwise. And then all of a sudden, boof, it opens up like a gigantic black hole that's just swallowing the sky. That's insane looking. Boom. There it goes. Yeah, literally, it's just like right into from a spiral straight into opening up into a black hole. Yeah. All right. Uh, So like we said, just go to our website and you can find those videos. So a lot of people started saying, what the hell was that? Of course, I would be too. I'd be like, what the hell is that? You know? Well, officials in Norway decided to make an announcement. They said that it was a rogue missile that somehow spun out of control. To me, that does not look like a rogue missile at all. No, I, I can understand a, like a missile, you know, going in a spiral, but that right there was way too perfect of a spiral. Like the missile actually stayed in one spot and was spiraling. And then it just opens up. Yeah. Which, of course, a lot of people theorize that instead of it actually being a, a missile, that, hey, it's, it was CERN trying to open up a portal above Norway, that that's what they were trying to do, which, I don't know. Why would they do it in the sky above Norway? I don't know. It is weird, though. I have to say, it is weird. They're trying to suck up Norway. <laughs> What'd you do to Norway? What'd you do to CERN? All right, so that's our first kind of like theory as, well, it's not really theory as to what CERN is or what it's doing, but a theory as in like, hey, this happened above Norway and CERN might have been the cause of it. So there you go. Now, Dan, tell us about this next theory we got. All right, so our next theory is about the Mandela effect. Now, many people believe that CERN turning on its LHC caused it. Yeah, if you don't know what the Mandela effect is, it's pretty much uh, people remembering something a certain way and it not being that way anymore. For an example, I remember in Star Wars when Darth Vader is staring at Luke towards the end of the movie and he goes, Luke, I am your father. That's the way I remember it. And a lot of people remember it that way. However, when you go back and watch it, he doesn't say, Luke, I am your father anymore. He says, no. I am your father. So, very odd. Even the guy that played Darth Vader, remember it as being Luke, I am your father. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird things that a lot of people say happened that didn't. And it's not just with movies. It could be with, like, logos as well. People remember the Ford logo being a certain way. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much what the Mandela effect is. So that is the Mandela effect, like Aaron said. And the theory is that every time they test the LHC, it changes the universe or things inside the universe. 
and it causes these Mandela effects that we often notice. Yeah, so I'm guessing every time the LHC turns on, we shift time dimensions or something. That's about it. Which enjoy it now, because they're going to turn that thing on until 2026, starting next week. So you're going to have a lot of Mandela effects. What do you think is going to change? Say next, you know, July 5th, they turn it on. What do you think is going to change and that we're all going to be going crazy about? Huh. I think, okay, I'm going to make a few predictions. Ooh, prediction time. I think there's going to be a, a band, a popular band, whose name is going to change. For some reason, I want to say Metallica, only because I'm wearing a Metallica shirt. So if they lose an L, I called it, okay? If it's just one L. <laughs> um, let's see, what else? I think you're going to see some cereal brands. Some of them are going to have their name, names changed. I think movies and TV shows are going to be remembered one way, and they're actually going to be a totally different way. Those are my three predictions. What about you? I don't know, what keeps popping in my mind is something with Elon Musk. Maybe like his company name is going to change. We're all going to know it as Tesla, but it's going to become something else. Maybe instead of having 11 kids like he has now. Wait, how many kids does he have? Does, is it 11? Does he have 11 kids? Elon Musk kid count. <laughs> Musk is unmarried and has two children. What? No, he doesn't. Has it, has it already happened? Wait, see, eight days ago, within two decades, the Tesla founder has become a father of eight children. Eight. Okay. Well, hey, man, when you got $235 billion, you can have as many kids as you want. Yeah. Would you have intercourse with them? With Elon? Mm-hmm. How much am I getting paid? A billion dollars. You're thinking about it. <laughs> You're thinking about it. Oh, you sick. Sometimes you got to make a big sacrifice for some big money. For the betterment of, of the people. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to make it better for anybody else. Elon's going to be happy, though. I'm telling you that. So speaking of sacrifices, <laughs> let's talk about our next theory. So our next theory is about human sacrifices. Ooh. Took a dark turn right there. Yeah, it did. So this theory states that the Large Hadron Collider, when it's turned on, it creates a portal to another dimension that scientists at CERN have been in contact with some other entity that is in this other dimension. Now, this entity has powers, and it grants these scientists and other world leaders these powers, but in exchange, it demands certain things. So there at CERN, there are occult rituals that are taking place involving human sacrifices, and they are all demanded by this entity, and it is done to appease it which then this entity grants these individuals and world leaders, like I said, with certain powers or status or promises. So there you go. Hmm. And to kind of back that up, we saw that video earlier of that supposed mock sacrifice. What if, so we saw that mock sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That happened way after the story with the sheep in the showers. What if the sheep thing was like practice? practice yeah getting like learning the steps to do the ritual and stuff you think they'd bring in an expert though you think the world leaders would be like hey we got a couple people in prison that are in there for human sacrifices bring them in they're experts on this hmm. i don't i don't know i just thought it was weird that's still fucking bleeding sheep in the showers <laughs> yeah all right so tell us about this next theory we got dan all right so this next theory is about the anunnaki now, we have previously done an episode over them like a long, long time ago. 
So if you aren't familiar with them, then I highly suggest you go listen to that episode. That was actually a real fun one. It was. So this theory is that CERN said that they were creating a LHC, the Large Hadron Collider, but instead they actually created a Stargate as a way to return the Anunnaki back to Earth from wherever they went before after they left. Okay, so this is stating that they were saying that they created an LHC as sort of like a cover-up, but instead they were really creating a Stargate. Hmm. You know, there's a theory that Saddam Hussein, when we invaded Iraq, the reason we did was not because of weapons of mass destruction. Well, it was because of a weapon of mass destruction, and that weapon of mass destruction was a Stargate that Saddam Hussein supposedly had. I love thinking about that theory. I mean, okay, you go back to the strange fact and finding of the big, uh, the bigger hydron collider or whatever. What if the fact, like, they started off with a small one, then they went bigger, and then they realized, guys, the Anunnaki's mothership, you know, can't fit through this. We need a bigger Stargate. It can't fit through the hole? Story of my life. So you're saying that they, the reason that they're building a bigger LHC is because they need a bigger Stargate. Correct. Or what if the LHC is just a cover-up for maybe them building a tunnel down into hollow Earth? I mean, that's possible, too, because it's, what, 574 feet down? Well, that's what they say. I think maybe that the, the LHC is built, and then you can enter in it, and then all of a sudden you go down this pipe chase, and then you take this slide all the way down for miles, and then you come out, and then, nope, oh, I'm in the center of the Earth. And then you see all, like, the reptilians and everybody walking around. It kind of makes me think of uh, Resident Evil and the Hive, how pretty much there's a city underground with their laboratory and stuff. What if that's what CERN is? It's like they're building these LHCs, and then as they go on, they're just like expanding their underground city. Okay. That's like the main hub. Yeah. That they're making. I like that. All right. Before we get into personal thoughts and theories, let's get into our last theory that we're going to talk about, which involves a time traveler. So, Dan, tell us about it. So there is a theory that a time traveler is trying to stop CERN from letting the LHC get turned on. Now, why do people think that this is a theory? Well, shortly after the you know, Large Hadron Collider started up, some of the supercooled magnets begin to heat up. Now, the LHC, of course, has to maintain a temperature colder than deep space in order for it to work. And when these magnets get hot, a lot of things start to go very bad for that big machine. So scientists started trying to figure out, hey, why are these magnets overheating? So they ended up finding a chunk of bread in the electrical substation above the accelerator that caused a power cut to the cryogenic cooling system. The scientists removed the bread, powered the cooling system back on, and within a few days, the LHC was back to powering up. Now, what caused a chunk of bread? To get into the cooling system. Well, the scientists said, hey, we think maybe a bird was flying by it. They, it was eaten on some bread and it accidentally dropped it. That was their legit conclusion as to what happened. Ooh. So what does a bird and bread have to do with time travelers? Well, two very esteemed physicists formulated a theory in which they stated that the bird was perhaps sent from the future to sabotage the experiment. Which, if that's the case, I wonder if there's going to be like a time traveler coming within the next week to stop the LHC from powering up. All right, so they try to weasel, they try to bird. What's the next animal that they're going to try? Yeah, they don't know about the weasel. Tell them about the weasel, Dan. 
I only know bits and pieces. It was in April of 2016, the world's most powerful particle accelerator came to an erupt halt due to a power outage. According to the internal status update, a weasel, this mischievous mammal, seemed to have chewed into one of the collider's electrical transformers, triggering a short circuit, but unfortunately for the animal, it did not survive its shocking adventures. <laughs> and a second outage was caused the following November by a stone martin. So it happened twice. Damn. Animals from the future, man, trying to stop CERN from starting up their LHC. They don't want to get wiped out by the Mandela effect. Yeah, and the, the weasel has been mounted at the museum exhibit for CERN. It's like, this is what tried to stop us, but it won't. <laughs> All right, so I guess let's transition into personal thoughts and theories. Dan. Do you believe that there is something nefarious being covered up by the CERN organization? Yes or no? Yes. Do you believe that they disregard their consequences of what could potentially happen and risk it? Yes. Okay. Do you think that they opened up another portal to another universe? Mm, not fully. Okay. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think they maybe have discovered alternate timelines or maybe additional timelines. And I think that they disregard the consequences of what could potentially happen. And they say, hey, let's fire these beams even faster and even bigger to see what happens. Yeah, with the new upgrades that they did, it's supposed to, the particles are supposed to move faster. And then like the new machines are supposed to read it like at the speed that they're going because it's like, Five times the normal speed now. Damn. Thanks for zooming. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're, they found something and they knew what to upgrade to try to get to it. And I'm sorry if y'all hear the dog in the background. It's not my dog. It's the neighbor's dog and they just won't stop barking. Okay. Maybe that will be used for an ad. Yeah. That part right there. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, we heard an ad on the radio that our media network used and they occasionally will pick parts out of our episodes and play them as an ad over the radio what, what, what was the one ad they played it was like just you talking about a bird outside and you're saying you're going to go take care of it and they were like and it's like listen to theories of the third I was like what the f what kind of ad was that it was you explaining about me having a bird in the background and that it wasn't going to stop us from doing an episode and we we're going to push forward to it. And I was just like, yeah, I'll take care of it later. And that was the ad. So it just made me look like a murderous, like a bird murderer on air. Legit, that was an ad. I was like, hey, what the hell? Anyway. Yeah, I was like, what the hell? All right. So, yeah, I think something's going on. I think they maybe found alternate timelines. I think maybe they even have been in contact with some other entities. But I don't think we will ever know what they've done there when it comes to these things i don't know i feel like there's always like there's always good people working there but then you got the people that are doing stuff behind their backs like behind the scenes because they're probably getting paid from somebody else to like figure some like type of weapon out which they're supposedly not doing any of that yeah right i always feel like people can always be bought out like that yeah except us no we're not being bought out no i mean i'm not making no hadron collider or anything not anything special like that but no it's I, I definitely believe something's going on that is definitely hidden yeah kind of like our patreon episode today how we talk about google 
and a lot of weird stuff that they've been up to. Oh, yeah. And how that one guy claimed that their AI has become sentient and Google's trying to cover it up. That is super weird. Get out of here, Google. All right, so do you have anything else you want to add to the CERN episode today? Mm, No, I don't think so. All right, well, if you or a loved one have seen this spiral over Norway that occurred in 2016, or if you have uh, a LHC, Large Hadron Collider, in your backyard, send us an email. We'd love to come take a look at it. I want to say CERN has what they call open days where I think like visitors and stuff could come in there, but I think it was only while they were shut down. Yeah, we'd immediately get thrown out. Yeah, we would, because we we would be recording, for sure. Yeah. All right, so I guess that's the end of the episode today. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or additional theories that you would like to talk about regarding CERN, send us an email to Aaron at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, or you can send it to Dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. We'd love to talk to you about it. Hell yeah. All right. So now we're going to transition to our on the scene for this week. Now, if you don't know what our on the scene is, it's where an individual goes and interviews. It could be anyone on the street or it could be themselves giving their own personal thoughts about certain things, uh, about theories, about what they believe in regarding UFOs and aliens and stuff like that. And they record themselves or they record the person they're interviewing. They submit it to us, and then at the end of the show, uh, we play it each week. Now, anyone can do this. All you got to do is take your phone and record the audio. Just make sure it's less than two minutes long and send it to our email, and we will put it in queue. Each week, whenever we play one, we play the one at the very top, and uh, everybody gets moved up, so it's kind of fair. All right, so we're on the scene this week is from Maddie Dubs, and we'll take a listen to that right now. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Maddie Dubs, and I'm going to ask uh, somebody some questions um, for the on the scene. So who what's your name? Mama C. That's who we're going to call you. So let me ask you, Mama C. I have a couple quick questions to ask you. First question. Do you believe in aliens? I believe this some other type of living thing out there. Okay. Call it whatever you want to call it, but I believe there's something else out there living besides us. Damn right. I mean, I, mean, I think so as well. Um, another question. Have you ever seen anything paranormal? I've seen, on overall, just strange lights, maybe that I cannot explain or have not heard explained on the news at some time or other. Okay. Okay. Last question. Do uh, if you had if you were to make contact, or if they were to make contact with you, how would you feel? Uh, extremely scared, nervous, and would not want to touch them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so they That's can't fine. transplant anything into my. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question, and this is a fast one. Yes or no? Do you believe they're already here? Yes. Me too. All right. Thank you so much. That's it. That's me, Maddie Dubs, on the scene, and had a couple questions for Mama C. And that's it. Thanks a lot, guys. Maddie Dubs and Mama C. Mama C. Nice. I like that. Me too. I enjoyed that on the scene. 
Mama C tiptoeing around every question, giving a neutral answer, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, the very last one, though, she did say that they were already here. Yeah, which is very interesting. Do you believe that they're already here, Dan? Aliens? Yeah. Probably. Okay. I think they are. Either they're here or they've been visiting here and there. Yeah. Lucky for them, they get to leave the planet for a while when shit goes down. Maybe we should ask them if they could take us with them. Do it on the scene with them. Yeah, we do a episode from space in their aircraft. All right, well, that's our on the scene. Again, if you want to, you can just submit yours to our email addresses, and it will be placed in queue. All right, so now we're going to transition into shout-outs. All right, I'm going to start off with my email shout-outs, if that's okay. Dan? Go for it. All right, so the first shout-out uh, I'm going to give is to Stacy C. She says that she listens to us every single day at work and that uh, she just had a baby in April and his name is Harlan and that he listens to us with her as well. Damn, that's awesome. That is awesome. She also stated that her birthday is July 2nd. She'll be 32 and that she would love to be serenaded by Aaron. No offense, Dan. Damn. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> All right, then, well, let's, uh, <clears throat> happy birthday to you. I, I don't really know what to say. What do I sing, Dan? Help me out here. If anything, you could have just sang the re- original happy birthday, but no, you had to happy say it. <laughs> birthday to you. Happy birthday, Stacy. Dan, you can jump in this as well. Oh, no, she, it was specifically for you this time, my friend. Hey, you get in it as well. You get in it as well. Happy birthday to you, Stacy. Happy birthday. Nice. Hey, congratulations on turning 32. And congrats on the baby, Harland. Congrats. And I hope it's a great birthday celebration. And uh, yeah, we love you and we're proud of you. Much love. All right. So our next shout out goes to Nicole S. She sent an email and said, hey, my birthday is June 26th. I'd love a birthday shout-out. Can't wait for you and Dan to serenade me. Dan, kick it off. It's all you, baby boy. Oh, I don't, I don't know how to start it. Are we doing a song or just an original? Original. 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 Happy birthday to Nicole. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Nicole. Thank you for the love and the support, and I hope you have a great birthday. Yes, happy birthday. Hope it's a good one. All right, so my last email shout-out goes to Marquis. Marquis says, Hey, Aaron, I've been a long-time listener. I started around episode 8. Damn! You can't even listen to episode 8 anymore. I think we start off at episode, like, 12 now, or 17 or 18 or something like that. I think it was, like, 18. Uh, Oh, and by the way, I'm the only one in possession of all of the old, old episodes. And I do have them in my possession somewhere. I think maybe on a hard drive or something. But anyway, they'll never see the light of day again. Boom. All right. Uh, so Marquis said, this has been one of the best podcasts to ever grace my listening holes. 12 out of 10 stars. They said, you and Dan always make me feel like I'm at home. You keep my sanity while I'm at the bank in the day filing papers and driving at night delivering pizza for Domino's. 
I'd very much like to this to be posted on the podcast because it would bring back memories of when you two would do shoutouts at the end of each episode, which were always a blast to listen to. Y'all have a great synergy. I'm addicted to conspiracy theories, and you two quench my thirst for the abnormal and supernatural. Much love from Alaska. Guam. Sincerely, your favorite Asian. After Dan, of course. <laughs> P.S. Love you lots, Dan. Nice. Shout out to you, Marquis. Hey, and you know what? When you're filing those papers for the bank and you're listening to us, I appreciate it. And hey, whenever you're delivering pizzas for Domino's, get you a little slice. <laughs> get you a little slice. And if somebody's like, hey, I'm missing a slice, say, Aaron gave me permission. Okay? That's right. And you go ahead and charge them twice for that dip. Charge them. <laughs> and you pocket that money. No, don't, no, don't no, do that. Don't do I, that. Do not, <laughs> I do not condone theft. Okay? But I do condone eating the pizza. The relocation of one slice into your belly. Yeah. All right. Uh, while I look for my phone where I dropped on the floor somewhere, Dan, do you want to do your shout outs? Yeah, I can do mine real quick. All right. All right. For Facebook, I have, let's see, Trevor Harkum, Dan Wu, Wayne Thompson, Travis Anderson, Colton and Caden, Mark Goodwin and Jennifer Kalis. I think that's how it says your last name. Then a shout out to Junior and Nikki for their 15 year anniversary on July 7th. They got married on 7707. It's pretty cool. Lucky numbers. Congratulations. 7707. Right. You know what? My son, his birthday was 7807. Damn. Yeah. So close. All right. Then uh, shout out to Agumon, Pete Nasty, and Ashes to Ashes from Discord. Then, uh, sh- then, let's see, shout out to Tyrese and Jante from Instagram. And then a happy birthday to Valerie from your fiance, Skylar, which her birthday is July 3rd. Happy birthday to you. See, I can't get my voice that high. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Valerie. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And that is it for my shout outs for this week. Nice. All right. I got a couple Instagram shout outs. So I got a message on my personal Instagram from a guy named Ryan A. He said, hey, I've been listening to the show for a little over two years and I love it. I'm also a Patreon listener. Can I get a shout-out for my birthday, which is on July 2nd? Make it trashy and disrespectful, like spitting in my mouth. I said, Jesus Christ, Ryan. That's what my <laughs> responded to him, and I said, Jesus Christ, Ryan. I told him, you got him, Dan. Make it, uh, make it trashy or whatever, Dan. I don't know what he means. Spit in his mouth or whatever. Oh, make it trashy. Talk nasty to him. Ryan, it's his birthday. He wants to be punished by you. Oh, I feel like someone's getting off on this. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. I don't like it. I don't like it at all, Ryan. How dare you, Ryan? How dare you have such a great birthday being born on July 2nd? Is it 2nd? 2nd, yeah. Yeah. July 2nd. I hope you have a bad birthday. Oh, I can't say that, man. I hope you have a great birthday. That just made me feel bad just saying that. <laughs> yeah, I hope your birthday is good, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, again, please, no more <laughs> requests like that. I don't, I don't like talking like that. It's uh, weird. But hey. If you're into that, no judgment, you know? Yeah, no judgment. Uh, shout out to Stephen 
S. Thomas, Deb Rush, Germs, Ricardo H. And Shakria, who's the boxer from India. And that's the end of my Instagram shoutouts. Nice. All right. Well, uh, is there anything you want to mention or talk about or anything before we roll this episode out today, Dan? Mm, I don't have anything for right now. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone.